Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and it's the return of Jake the Snake Roberts. And this time, Jake's giving us a detailed look at his time in AAA in Mexico. He's talking about the crazy fans and all the stuff they used to throw at him in the ring, from beer cans to piss-filled bottles to the food they were eating. He's telling stories about working with Conan and the sensational Sherry Martel, the riots that his TV promos used to start. You hear of his infamous hair versus hair match and the links he had to go to get his money out of the country. It's crazy. He talks about the one six-man match he had with Eddie Guerrero, and he's telling even more stories with the snakes, living with them and traveling with them. Jake was also in the last season of The Dark Side of the Ring, talking about The Ultimate Warrior, how that happened, and the vignettes with the snakes that they shot together. Jake's even got a few tales about Hulk Hogan and how his job became setting up the heel for Hogan. So many great stories from a great storyteller, Jake the Snake Roberts, coming up. And also coming up, a lot of great music from Fozzie. Our new album, Boombox, comes out May 6th. Pre-order it wherever you buy and stream music. I Still Burn, over a half a million views on YouTube in two weeks. And the song is now our seventh consecutive top 25 hit. Right here. That's good, good stuff there. So check it out and come check out Fozzie on the Save the World Tour. We had an amazing time on the first leg. Judas went gold, 500,000 units sold. And we played some amazing shows and made a bunch of you guys and gals who came out to rock with us at the Fozzie VIP meet and greet. So much fun. Uh, FozzieRock.com for all ticket and VIP information. And tomorrow, Thursday, April 28th, we will be at the Southport Music Hall in New Orleans. Friday, April 29th, Houston, Texas at Warehouse Live. April 30th, Saturday, San Antonio, Texas at the Rock Box. That's with John 5. Also, Houston has John 5 on the bill as well. Uh, Sunday, Austin, Texas, come and take it live. And Monday, May 2nd, Dallas, Texas, Amplified Live. And, of course, the Whiskey A Go-Go on next Thursday, May 5th, and the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We hit three more shows in California, Nevada, two shows in Colorado, Kansas, Arkansas, Illinois. Tickets are available. Meet and greets are available. FozzyRock.com. Don't you dare miss it. And come hang out with us. Uh, the Fozzie Rock uh, meet and greet. We'll play a mini concert for you. We meet you, we greet you, we do a Q&A. Don't forget about ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea. Uh, the Four Leaf Clover, that's February 2nd, 2023. Lots of stuff going on, but most importantly, right here, right now, let's get to Jake the Snake Roberts and his time working as the uh, Rudo Grande in AAA in Mexico, right here, right now, on Talk is Jericho. I was talking with Jake Roberts a few weeks ago. We said we should do more of these, do more Talk is Jericho's with all the experiences that you've had and all the great, you're such a great storyteller. And one of the things that we talked about that is kind of a forgotten part of your career that was hugely successful was your time in, in Mexico and AAA. Yeah, Mexico, man. That, uh, that was scary down there, bro. In, in what way? Uh, the fans. They're well, very dangerous. <laughs> very dangerous. Well, you also had tremendous heat there. Yeah, I did. No and, surprise. And but I got more once I got there. But, yeah, I got a phone call, man, from those guys. And... Uh, kid named uh conan right uh which is a big rib on the mexican people because he's a cuban <laughs> yeah. posing as a mexican I right mean, who does that <laughs> <laughs> the first <laughs> but uh yeah, he's a good guy i guess and uh wow wanted to do this thing down there and uh which would ultimately lead to a hair match mm -hmm. well that didn't really tickle me but we made it where it was ticklish with the money mm -hmm. you know and uh, we got the money right and um, I was all for it, man. Let's go, let's go do this shit. And uh, 
So they wanted me to come down to Mexico City to uh, a big show they were having because he was doing a uh, mask versus career match. Uh, I can't remember the other guy's name now. Doggone it. The guy was uh, C.N. Karras. C.N. Karras. Loser right, must bro. retire match. Right, yeah. right. So uh, that was the whole deal. And um, I wasn't alone, though. They uh, hired the services of Sensational Sherry mm. to be my bodyguard, more or less. <laughs> she was supposed to have been a valet, but she's not a valet. <laughs> you know, I met that girl when she was too young. We had quite a life together over the years. We'll tell that someday. Well, she's one of the all-time greats, oh. not just as a valet wrestler, as an overall personality yeah. in the business, right? Yeah, man. She was unbelievable. You know, I met, I, I'll tell you just a little bit of it. I met her in Lafayette, Louisiana. I'd been refereeing about two weeks, and I uh, could not believe this beautiful girl was looking at me, you know, and other wrestlers and stuff. And, but she was, and I had to tear down the ring back then, put the ring in the U-Haul truck, and... She's still there. I'm like, do you need a ride or something? She goes, no, I'm waiting on you. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and um, then we'll tell the rest of the story some other day. But, right. <laughs> uh, so she yeah, was, down she there was in Mexico. Of, right. And uh, there was a very large black gentleman that was part of our group. I didn't know who he was. Come to find out, he was the uh, road manager for Salt and Pepper, hmm. who were real hot at the time. Right. Because this is about 93, 94, yeah, so, right? Yeah, 93, yeah. 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 So they had this Jewish lawyer with them who were investing money to run shows in the States, mm -hmm. you know, with AAA. And his wife, now his wife was a strange chick. She was in a Harvard think tank, you know. She may have been the smartest chick on the planet, but she had no common sense. Right. You know, she'd walk into doors. You know, she's yeah. just, they're supposed to open for her magically. But, <laughs> They were there at ringside with me. I'm like, you know, you guys ought to leave, you know, because it's not going to be much fun here in a few minutes. Because mm. at the appropriate time, I uh, jumped over the railing, and Cian um, Karras came out, because as I'm going for Conan, he comes out and swings me around. Well, the idea was for me to blast him, and he's going to go down. Then I'm going to turn around and work, work on uh, Conan, and then that'll, that'll be it. Karras will win. He'll grow back in the ring. Well, I hit seeing Karras, and he hulks up on me, mm. which pissed me off. Mm -hmm. So I hit him hard enough that blood shot out of his nostrils, <laughs> and he went down. <laughs> Didn't move much either, but uh, I went to work on Conan. I had to go pick Cian Karras up. He's still half out of it, and I throwed him in the ring. That was the end of the match. And then, of course, the shit started. Um, Mexicans have great arms. You know, they can throw some stuff a long ways, and they're very accurate. They were blasting us, man, and uh, the barricades were pretty shoddy. Uh, security was uh, non-existent, more or less. So there were only 50,000 Mexicans in there, but I was okay because I had Sherry. <laughs> you know, and the only thing that pissed me off about Sherry was she got in front of me and she's getting all the good shots in on these guys. <laughs> and I finally stopped her about a halfway back. Sherry, let me have one. <laughs> no. You know, she loved hitting guys, man. <laughs> and uh, we lost uh, the lawyer and the, the big black gentleman and, uh, and the wife. 
We finally got to the dressing room, man. We were a mess. They had thrown piss on us. They had thrown nacho sauce on us. They had, you know, pecani sauce on us. And get that shit burns in your mm -hmm. eyes, by the way. Put it in your mouth, not in your eyes. But um, we got back to the locker room, man, and they were pelting the locker room building with everything you think of. Bricks and chairs and stuff. I'm like, this is getting pretty weird, man. You know, and everybody in there, they're like, natural day, you know? Right. Well, that was like 11 o'clock. At 4 a.m., they're still not dispersing. Wow. Yeah. And the only Mexican that's left in the locker room is an old gentleman by the name of Pedro Aguayo. Pedro Aguayo. Yeah, yeah. an old timer. And didn't speak a word of English, but we understood tequila. <laughs> and we sat there and drank tequila at 4 a.m., at which time the office made some phone calls and got all the baby faces down there and set up an impromptu autograph session at 5 a.m. Wow. Yeah, on the other side of the building. <laughs> Everything's free. Right. To pull the people away. So we were able to get out of there. Because well, Conan back. at the time, too, was like, Huge, oh, huge, huge. So because of you, he has to retire. Right. And people are not happy no, about it. No, they want to kill my ass, man. And uh, I flew back home, and uh, then we got to go to, um, oh, God, just the other side of the border in San Diego. Um, Tijuana. Tijuana. And I, they're going to do a show there. So they sent me to a TV station to do some promos. I did the promos, and... Uh, you know, back in those days, you could still have a little fun on the mic without doing something politically incorrect. Because uh, I'm not a racist at all, man. I love all people. I don't care what color you are. I don't see color. I guess I'm colorblind because I just don't dig that shit, man. I got more in my life than that. Right. You know, I, I can't stand people that are that way. But you, uh, you were saying that you went and did this press. Yeah, I went and did the press thing, man. And, uh, you know, I was having fun. Um, I asked the, the announcer, uh, do you know the reason they're having the Olympics in Atlanta and not uh, not Mexico? No, why? Because anybody can run, jump, or swim. It's already there. You know, <laughs> right. They didn't like that. Right. Then I sang a song called the Frito Bandito. I, 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 I am the Frito, Frito Bandito. Bandito yeah. I love Frito Scorch Chips. I like them, I do. I love Frito Scorch Chips. I steal them from you. And they thought that was bad, too. So they stopped that song. But they did not enjoy that one. And there may have been a couple other little digs. I didn't think it was real serious. They took me back to my hotel. It was live. As I'm walking through the hotel lobby, there's a bar there. In those days, I stopped. And I look up, and there's a television. What's well, in Spanish, but something caught my eye. And what caught my eye was these Mexicans being sprayed with a water cannon. I'm like, wow, this is serious, brother. So I tell the bartender, damn, man. They're going to kill those people. He says, yeah, amigo, you do this. I'm like, I did this. I didn't do shit. Yeah, they're looking for you, mother. And what? Mm. They tried to find you. They want to cut your throat. Ooh. I'm like, can I buy a beer? You know, <laughs> and you a shot? Easy. And uh, yeah, the people were trying to get into the TV station. Wow. And, yeah, they broke out windows and everything, man. It was really bad, man. They got a lot of heat over that. <laughs> a lot of heat. But then we go to... Uh, but just to interject, you're yeah. no stranger to getting heat, but this no. is this is. Different. I don't do well with numbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is different from normal yeah, heat. Yeah, yeah, it is, man, because this yeah. isn't one or two guys or even ten guys. 
this is thousands. Mm -hmm. I was afraid to walk the streets mm -hmm. because I just did not know, you know. And uh, you know, when they're coming from every direction, man, you you don't have a chance. Right. You know, it, it's not any fun when it's one on one. Right. I don't I don't want that shit, man. And I understand that I push the buttons. That's my job, and I love it. But your mouth can get you in trouble, as you well know. <laughs> well, <laughs> So you did the, the, the match in Mexico, then Conan yeah. has to retire. But the rule is, quote unquote, that he can still work in the States. Right. So right. then you guys go to Los Angeles yeah. to do, do LA. continue there. And the we do a tag match there, bro. And uh, it was hilarious, man. Because, you know, in Mexico, you had the minis. Right. That accompanied the baby faces to the ring. Yeah. So there's a mini Conan, you know, about three foot tall. Well, that was the first time I've ever hoisted somebody over my head <laughs> and tossed him back in the ring to Conan. And man, I felt so good about that. But the most fun about that night was, I'm just giving you the fun part. The matches were that good, actually. Mm -hmm. A six-man match and three guys don't speak English. There's not much fun. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like pulling teeth. Plus, they had told me, Jake, you don't go down. Mm -hmm. You just wow. swat them out of the air. Right. Because they're smaller, much smaller. I'm like, what? Swat them out of the air. Guy drop kicks you, don't go down. You just push their feet and you don't take a bump. Wow, this is different. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't like that. It just didn't feel right. Because it just, I don't know. But You being the powerhouse. Yeah, the strong Brody, guy. Yeah, you know, not, give me a break. I, I want a bump. Yeah. I enjoy that part of the match. You know? But we did the match. I did the press, press slam with uh, the mini. And... Uh, had an opportunity to work a little bit with Aguayo, which was a real, he was so easy, man. I mean, punch, punch, kick, kick. There you go, bro. We got that. Such legendary status, yeah. though. He's super Yeah, man. When you, you come in the ring, the people went nuts. Mm. Went nuts. And I'm like, are you serious? Mm. He's got furry boots. That's all he's got. <laughs> you know? But uh, I had a, an attendant with the ring with me. By the name of Diamond Dallas Page. Ah, okay. And uh, Dallas was just starting. I've been working out with him and stuff, and uh, I got him a job down there. They wanted him to go to the ring with me, so I convinced him, some brother. Then you know Dallas, he wants to look right. <laughs> he wants to be dressed to the nines, man. He's going to impress some people, right? And Dallas brings his fox fur with him. He's going to wear that to the ring. I'm like, are you sure? He goes, yeah, brother. I just think it looks good. I said, it looks great, man. And he goes and asks uh, the management, oh, amigo, that's very nice. He went to the ring. He didn't understand. He wore it to the ring, which was the last time he ever wore that because they hit it with the picante sauce and the cheese sauce and everything, <laughs> the beer and the piss and everything. We did the thing in L.A., and we had a real hard time, Dallas and I in the... Sorry. So you guys are going to the ring? Yeah, well, we're coming out of the ring, man, and uh, they are unloading on us, and there's no protection. They absolutely walked away from us because we were taking some heavy shit. Um, batteries hurt, mm. you know. Uh, big ones, D yeah, batteries. Yeah, man, they, they were pelting us with some horrible shit. And you know, it's not fun tasting piss or beer, you know, hot beer. Uh, you know, cold one's okay, but hot, no. Mm. And they were getting very close to us. Some of them were getting in some shots. 
basically we fought our way back. Well, I had asked for security before we went out there, and because there was none, I went straight for the head guy, man, in the locker room. I was pissed, man. And in those days, I wasn't very good at controlling myself because I was amped up mm-hmm. on pharmaceuticals and things. And I grabbed him and slung him around a little bit and halfway destroyed the locker room. Then I grabbed Dallas and said, what the f- are you doing? He goes, I'm getting this shit off of me. I said, f- you, man. We're going back to the ring. Mm-hmm. What? Are you serious, man? We had to fight our way back. I said, yeah, but they're running out of shit now, man. They ain't got no ammo. <laughs> so we went back out to the ring and beat the baby faces up again, which was really fun, and uh, made our way back, and, and it, was, it was a lot of fun. But, uh, well, just to get some, some, some perspective, a couple people that I asked about this that were there said it was by far the hottest live crowd yeah. that they've ever seen. That was for the three-way of yeah. Conan versus Uber Sinkaris. You guys had uh, 17,000 people at the sports arena, 8,000 turned away. Way more than 1991 WrestleMania in the same building. Yep. Largest U.S. crowd of the year, more than SummerSlam or WrestleMania or anything. And this is at kind of a quote-unquote independent show. Yeah, independent. And this is without cell phones and the internet. You know, right. Those days, man. I mean, that's what was so amazing about WrestleMania three. There was no computer, you know, shipping shit just across. Just complete the word of mouth, it's right? It's just word of mouth and television. And that's how you guys drew this crowd yeah. for, for there? Yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh. It was a blast, man. We, we even took that show to New York and did it. Then I went down and did the hair match, of course. And uh, Dallas wasn't available, so they gave me the warlord. It's the most random, yeah, right? Well, why won't he wrestle for me? You know? And uh, that wasn't much fun, getting my hair all chopped Was the hair off. match also in the United States? No, it was done in uh, Mexico. In Mexico, gotcha. Yeah, it was done in Mexico. You know, they did some claws and bullshit, yada, yada. No, obviously that's a big match in Mexico, the hair versus hair, and you're getting paid, you know, yeah. a good chunk of change yeah, for that. Fifty grand for my hair, man. That's not a bad not day's a bad work. day's work, man. Right. But the thing is, you're worried about getting the money out of the country or out of the locker room for that. Matter. Wow, good point. Um, I know I brought somebody down there specifically for that because mm. I'd heard some stories and um, guys getting ambushed and whatever and plus i'd been at a hotel there in mexico city a five-star hotel an art bar a couple of weeks before who had been working out there full-time came out of the bank which was across the street from the hotel and as he came across the street a guy rode up on a motorcycle with a guy behind him with an uzi and demanded his fanny pack and which all the money was in it and uh he went to the hotel and called the police and the police came to the hotel and they studied the tapes because there were tapes at the bank and tapes from the hotel. And the police said, ah, we think we can find these friends, but uh, it may take a little money to get us motivated. <laughs> of course. So they wanted like two grand to go find his 2500 They asked him, how much did you lose? Uh, $2,500. They want two grand for it. Uh, it's going to have to cost you maybe $2,000 to get us. To, you know, We have to pay for our time, you know. <laughs> right. So he didn't do it. But I didn't want to take that chance with 50 you know. And uh, I took a guy down there. I, you know, I, I thought about this earlier, and I cannot remember this cat's name, man. But anyway, I told this dude, I'm going to give you this money, and you're going to stay in the locker room. Got it? Yeah, man, I understand that. I come back to the locker room. He's not there. I freaked out. Where was he? In the back of the building getting a blowjob. I punched him right in his face. 
you know, ran the chick off. I said, you dumb bastard, man. You're lucky you're not dead. Right. You know, because that's what happens. They get a chick on her knees in front of you and they mm -hmm. woke up behind you, bada bing. Very interesting. You know, and I made some other interesting trips down there. I ran into the uh, police. <laughs> it's not the police, it's the army. You know, right. On the highways, they use the army. Mm hmm. And they'll pull you over, and we, we were in a bus with 40 wrestlers, and they're going to search us to see if we have any contraband. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, we're all back in the back smoking, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, they all come on the bus, and they're just looking at us, and you know, we're like fan in the air. I'm shitting my pants. These wrestlers, these other Mexicans are looking at me like it's okay, amigo. It's not fucking okay. I got shit, amigo. We all got shit, man. But my shit's illegal. You know? <laughs> and the whole deal was they held us there for about 45 minutes and finally the promoter comes out and hands some money to the head guy and they walk off and leave. That's the way they do business. That's the, that's the thing. They're just looking to get paid off. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. For instance, I asked one of my friends, Eddie, if he knew anybody that had something that I wanted. Coke. Yeah, man. I said, well, can I hook up? He goes, well, just go to your room. I'll send him over. Oh, man, that's great. You sure? Oh, man, don't worry. I promise. Okay, man. Okay, take it easy. I go to the room. I got a hooker with me. I knock on the door. I look through the peephole, and it's a cop. I won't open the door. And I hear, again, I'm like, I won't look through the peephole because I know they can see me, you know? Yeah. So I'm just listening to hear him walk away, and finally I hear, amigo, amigo, I have your package. Yeah, amigo, it's okay, it's okay, no problem. And let me give you your package. Carrero, send me. I open the door and he tries to come in. I'm like, oh, hell no, you know. <laughs> I just snatched the shit out of his hand. Of course, I shut the door. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. This is a setup. I run to the toilet and I flush it. Oh. You know, ruin my night, scared to death. So I couldn't <laughs> even do the check because I was so terrified. I was going to fix to be shot or killed or raped or whatever or go to prison. It was horrifying, man. Well, when you're, because I, I worked there for years too, lived there, and you realize it really is a third world country. Oh, and there it's, is, it's man. the Wild West. It is, man. You know, it really is. Yeah, that's why I tell people we are so fortunate to be living in America, man. Yeah, we got some problems, man, and hopefully we'll keep working on them. There'll always be problems. Mm -hmm. Always. You know, it doesn't matter if you're black or you're Chinese or Japanese or Asian, whatever. There's always going to be a problem. But we've got to keep working for it, man working forward work forward work forward and um i think one of the biggest things that pisses me off these days is bullies mm -hmm. because they're just they're bottom feeders man they, right. they want to hurt well, people when you were talking that. about your uh your hair hair versus hair mm -hmm. you did a really cool thing because uh, i was in the smoky mountain wrestling at the time and you came to work a, a big match yeah. with uh, dirty white dirty boy white Tony boy and his wife his wife yeah the yeah. dirty white girl yeah. so kind of Talk about that promo where you kind of revealed that you had shaved your head. It was awesome. I can't remember what I said. Well, it was something along the lines of, I guess you had shaved your head already, so why not use this to the advantage? Like, I'm so crazy. Yeah. You never know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I might even show up with a shaved head, and you right. took your hat off. Boom. and I was like, what? Yeah, it freaked everybody out, including my wife and kids. <laughs> you don't look right. Yeah, no shit. I hated that, man. I hated it the most when I went and played golf because mm. I burnt my skull out there on that <laughs> golf course. I've never had anything as painful as a burnt skull. Right. 
when the shower hit it, I cried. Mm. The pain. Now, do you remember, like, how was the ceremony where you got it cut? Like, what do they do? It was a fight. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to finally hold me down to clip it, you know. And uh, the bastards, they didn't use good clippers either, man. The hair's wet. Mm-hmm. Man, they more or less just ripped it out, yeah. basically, you know. I finally reached up there and was cutting it myself, you mm-hmm. know, which pissed them off because they said, you're killing the gimmick, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. You hurt, man. You're killing me. Yeah, You're right. You got right. a pair of scissors in your hand. But it's and interesting, fighting. though, how, how you're doing that in in the middle of the ring in front of everybody. Oh, and that's yeah. the people yeah. cheering that's, and going that's nuts. That's a big nut for yeah. them. It's it's humiliation. Right, right. You know, that's the same thing for them when they go mask versus mask. That's a big thing in Mexico. You know that mm-hmm. as well. They they fight their career. They fight their whole career for that one night where they get the big payoff, mm-hmm. which is the mask. Mm-hmm. This is insane. How smart is that, though, to to wear a mask? That way you can have a normal life. Right. You know, if you want it. But that's the thing, too. It's only the one big loss for the mask. But the hair versus hair, those guys who have lost their hair a dozen times, oh, they grow yeah. it as long as they can, yeah. lose it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, and I told them, I said, hey, I'll come back next year with more. You know? <laughs> it grows back. Let's go for pubes next. You know, whatever, you know. I'll cough up some. Let's talk a little bit about you had a, a, a one six man match with with Love Machine and Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, buddy, and I remember that night too. I can't remember who we were wrestling because of what I did in the locker room afterwards. It's Conan, Pero, and Blue Panthers. What it okay. says here, and that's the yeah, sports the match was all right because, yeah. of course, for me it was so easy because I'm supposed to swat them out of the air. Yeah, no cell. Yeah, you know. So Eddie, and those guys are busting their asses. I go in, I kill, I tag them. They have to fly. Mm-hmm. So after the match, which everybody loved, I got to the back and I threw a temper tantrum. And, and the big guy comes, he goes, Jake, Jake, what is the problem? I said, man, if you can't find some guys that can take better bumps than these two assholes, <laughs> that's, my God, tell them to get some hype. You know? And they're like, you f***, because they're damn near dead, man. Right, right, right. Eddie was such a sweetheart, man. Mm-hmm. We really lost a piece of gold when he mm-hmm. left. Art Bar, for the, you know, at the time, Art was such a, a great guy. Mm-hmm. And those, those two guys worked their asses off down there. Well, you know. Yeah. It's 100 miles an hour. But they, they had magic as a team, though. Yes, they did. With charisma. Absolutely. Absolutely. They drew a lot of money down there. I can see that, too, because Art had such great charisma. Right. And at the time, Eddie didn't have as much, but he was the worker. He was going. And then pairing up with you with this heat machine yeah, that must easy, have been a, a great it was night fun, man. Blue Panther was fun oh man Mexico I, I love doing this because I get to relive some of it and it, mm-hmm. it's a great feeling man and you're going to find out one of these days <laughs> hopefully it's not soon and uh, that once you step out of there brother you miss there's a big hole in your heart right. and um, I'm so fortunate that uh, I worked hard to get sober real hard it took several years to do it, but I've been clean now for 11 years. And AEW has been so kind to me, so good to me, and it's like I get to live again, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, hopefully I'll be here for a little while. Yeah, originally I came in here for 10 days, for 10 wow. shots. Wow. That was the deal. And mm-hmm. uh, then they asked me to stay for a year, which I was surprised. And... Um, because I, I don't know about you, man, but I, I don't value myself high. Uh, it's not that I'm humble. It's just that I doubt myself. You know, and uh, I think my father put that in my head. 
because no matter what I did, it wasn't good enough. Mm. And I'm that way about myself. But uh, looking back, I realized I had a hell of a career, man. But what you don't understand, though, is you do have a lot of presence. Like just having you around. Yeah. Like I remember last year during the pandemic when we first just just mm. had people, our, our, like the boys in the crowd. Yeah. And one match that we had, you were out there watching. And it's still deep down. It's like, holy shit, Jake the Snake's watching. This is hell cool. Hell yeah, man. You know, but that, that you do have that 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 you know that, that legend that aura yeah. people appreciate that they do man and I, I don't get it but i'm grateful yeah i am so happy to be here and to uh be a part of this uh i think this is uh the new way the the new world mm -hmm. and uh so good to be a part of something that's kicking somebody's ass that we don't like not do you, you hunter <laughs> do, do you um think one of the reasons why you had such a career after your career is because of that 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 late 80s wwe boom like if you were over then yeah you're still over now whether yeah. you're a honky talk man or brutus beefcake and right. obviously you were a top main event right. guy but it was it was such a magical time for the business and the guys magic, at that point and I, and I give credit to the snake ah. everybody can identify with that snake right right because right. you know when you're taught at birth keep away from snakes <laughs> you know they're bad they're gonna hurt right, you right 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 they're right. sneaky mom this is her pants. Dad runs. Yeah. Uh, that's why the kids dug it whenever I was in the WWE. Vince didn't understand it. I said, Vince, don't you get it? The kids dig it because they watch mom and dad cringe. Mm -hmm. They dig watch mom and dad cringe. Because now they want a snake so they can take their snake and chase mom and dad. Mm. That's the whole deal, man. And the whole thing is, I'm terrified of snakes, too. I hate them. No. Mm -hmm. And here I spent the better part of my career with one in my damn locker or bedroom or in the hotel bathroom. Try to go in there and piss at 3 o'clock in the morning, brother, pull your junk out in front of a snake. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> and, and pity you if you have to take a dump. Right. You can't trust a snake. You know? So it must be hard, too. Like when you show up in Mexico, for example, yeah. here's your snake for the evening. Snakes are different personalities yes, and temperament, yes. right? Yes, brother, you get different ones all the time. And hell, down there, they weren't going to a pet shop and getting these. Like it matters because it don't matter. You cannot train a snake, folks. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. when they're hungry, they eat. When they're pissed off, they bite. Mm -hmm. That's all they got. That shitting on you, which yeah. is the nastiest, foulest smelling stuff ever, and it does not wash off. It's worse than a skunk. <laughs> but. You never know what you're getting. You know, when I was in the WWE, I had to carry it from town to town myself. God damn, man. You know how much luggage you have to carry up there? Well, add 80 pounds of snake. <laughs> it was brutal, man. Waking up at 5 o'clock in a hotel room, you got to pick the snake out of the bathroom, put it in the bag, put it in a box. And that's your responsibility yeah. to carry this through the airport. Yeah, smart guy, Jake. Why weren't you a cockroach? You can get a bug anywhere. <laughs> that's right. But, you know, and plus the guy that I was getting snakes from, he was an old-time wrestling fan, man, and he thought Bruno was, you know, legit. Mm -hmm. So when he first started bringing me snakes, he was bringing me some vile, mean son of a bitches. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, this was going to get Steamboat good. Uh, dude, I have to carry that son of a bitch, okay? <laughs> Oh, man, just be careful. Oh, come on, man. You know, and I had to get a fresh one every 10 days. So Why is I, that? Because they couldn't handle the flying. Oh. Their lungs run the length of their body. They're oh. very small. 
So if they get infected, brother, they're pretty much mm. done. Gotcha. So we had to just switch them out all the time. And, you know, I never knew if he was going to bring me a poodle or a Doberman, mm. you know, or a Rottweiler. What the hell is this, man? And uh, you learn pretty quick. Put them in the floor, look at them. That's a snake. Watch it, you know? And I was really thrilled when we went to the Cobra because the Cobra don't have fangs. You know, that's the bad thing about the pythons. They have these long fangs, and the whole thing about a python is they bite you, and then they throw their body around you and squeeze. Oh, wow. Now, if you take a snake, its, it's skin, when it wraps, the scales lock. Mm. Oh. You, can't, you cannot break Oh, wow. You cannot break a snake. Oh. You have to unravel it. Mm. If you don't know that, you're in trouble which happened in Indianapolis with Steamboat. He had the, the <laughs> that monster monitor lizard, and I had, I had the snake, and, you know, I've got it wrapped around me, and we're punching each other, and he's got the lizard, and, you know, it makes for great pictures and stuff. It's really stupid. It's a dragon, the Komodo dragon. Yeah, Komodo right? dragon, yeah. And the thing is, uh, I'm not paying attention, and he gets around my neck, and all of a sudden, I see, very quickly, I see car lights coming, <laughs> you know. You're like, whoa, that's, what the hell? And, and I'm out. Because mm. they don't choke you out. They put pressure on these arteries here to your brain. Mm. And you pass out. Like oxygen to your brain. Mm. And when you pass out, brother, you're down. Well, that's when the snake's going to finish you. You know? If it had not been for Steamboat, I wouldn't be here today. What did he do? He unraveled it. He knew enough to He grabbed the tail and ran. You know, and got him off of me. And then I came back, too, pretty quickly, just in time to save my job. Because Vince said, if it ever gets into the crowd, don't even call me. Oh, wow. Because there's going to be court suit after court suit. I'll be done. Mass panic. Yes. Right? Do not let it get to the crowd. I came to just as about three feet of the snake was into the crowd. But the tail was still in the ring. Right. And I reached over and grabbed the tail and jerked and pulled him back in but the people were already starting to crush you know oh, wow. yeah it was a rush man and here's here's something even funnier we came back to indy maybe six eight weeks later i get there in this guy in a suit running to me i'm like whoa what's what's up right there what's up he says i'm the building yeah he goes we've been taking calls for the last two weeks do you have the same snake with you this time i'm like why he goes because they want to see it. They want to see it kill you. Mm. I love my fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not the same, you bastard. <laughs> so that's one of the dangers of having these things. Oh, yeah, just man. Coil Be careful you. what you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See what marijuana does. <laughs> that's how I came up with that whole idea of smoking pot and drinking beer, driving down the highway, man. How many times have you thought of brilliant ideas while you're in your car or your plane? Right alone mm -hmm. and the brain starts to work you're basically you're just trying to keep yourself awake mm. and you got to think of something interesting enough to keep you going and that's how it happened you um were really great this season on dark side of the ring there was a couple shows that were based around you one was about the ultimate warrior yeah and that story still blows my mind because yeah. it was only 30 years ago but it might as well be 100 years ago the way the business has changed yeah, so much yeah it's changed so much you know um can you kind of go through that story again, the, the famous... Well, you know, I was in, uh, we were in Orlando, and uh, 
I had worked, tried to work with Hogan, and after two matches, they stopped that because the people were cheering for me. Is that, oh, really? Is that why? Yeah. Yeah, they were chanting DDT, DDT. Ah. And Vince said, that's that. Well, Vince was very protective of Hulk at the time, too, right? Well, he had to be. Mm-hmm. He had invested millions and millions in marketing for him. There wasn't shit out there for Jake. Mm-hmm. Maybe a T-shirt. Right. But that's the boat. That's the goose there. The golden goose is right there. Protect it. Because mm-hmm. that was the business. You know, he was the chosen one. And uh, everything goes to him. At the time, they would take a heel that had been establishing a career for 20 years. Right. And Hogan got to work with him one time around. That was it, brother. You were done. That's it, one time yeah, around. One time around. Mm. And Savage was the only one that got more offerings. But um, it was pretty weird, man, because I was in Orlando, and Jack Lanza came to him, and he goes, Jake, Vince wants to talk to you. I'm like, I didn't flunk no test, man. I did not flunk no test. No, no, Jake, it's okay. You know? Lanza, unfortunately, had to give me the bad news one time. I studied all night for that test and still flunked it. The cigarette in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Blow smoke in your face. Right. Yeah. yeah, you know him. Jerk. But, uh, yeah, Vince, what did I do? Nothing, Jake. Uh, would you like to work with a warrior? Yeah. I'm finally going to get a shot at the money. Because that was the whole deal up there. If you weren't working with a champ or the Intercontinental champ at the time, you didn't make the money. Mm-hmm. You made money, but not the real money. The main event is where the money is in yeah. WWE and still is yeah. to this day. But even back then, if you were in the main event in a sold-out show, if you weren't working with one of those two guys, you did not make the top money. Really? No, 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 no. no. Those two guys got extra. Mm. And you got extra if you were working with Bigger them. piece of the pie then. Yeah. 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 Which really used to piss me off because my job wound up being, well, I'll get to that. So I said, yeah, I'd like to work with Warrior. And he said, well, go talk to him and see if uh, see if he'll work with you. Excuse me? What? He said, yeah, go ask his permission to do something and y'all work with each other. I got to ask this motherfucker. And that was it, man. I had to go in there and ask him to wrestle me, please. How do you approach that? I wasn't, I didn't do it well. I, I felt very bad about that. I was very angry about that. To me, he might as well throw a piss in my face. You know, worked my life, and I always took care of my opponent. Always made them. You know, I just believe in that. You got to make them before you can make yourself. So I went and knocked on the door, and yeah, come here. You know, he yells. You know, I walk in. He goes, yeah. It's convinced. Uh, he goes, yeah, I talked to him. I'd like to work with you, man. Before we can do something. Please. He's walking, pacing, pacing, pacing. I'm like, what, the, what is going on here? Let me tell you this, cat. I don't care about you. I don't care about your family. I don't care about anything. Don't fuck up. You be on time. Don't miss a show. Blah, blah, blah. Don't fuck a fucking test. I'm like, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. I am very, uh, right. yeah. sarcastically. Yes. And I walked out of that room, and I, I was so humiliated, man, that I had to do that. Again, you might as well throw piss in my face. I mean, I used to have to sit when we were writing television, when Sean and Brett were throwing their pissy fights against each other, 
and we would be trying to write television, and Vince would get on the phone for three hours with those two cats trying to get them to wrestle each other. I said, Vince, what are you doing? Fire the mother man. You're the boss. Tell him to hit the fucking road. Mm-hmm. You know, when he brought me back in 96, he told me, he says, Jake, look around and see what you think the problem is. I said, it's real simple, man. The inmates are running the asylum. You know, the click. Mm-hmm. The click nearly killed their business. <laughs> you know? Everybody says how great they were. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> they drove it to the ground, man. So, whatever. So you get the permission to work. Yeah, I get with the permission, the yeah. and you know, which was really humiliating. And now I'm going to take a month off while we do these vignettes, where we put uh, put put snakes in a room, and he has to go into the room. He's looking for the secret of the Undertaker, and uh, of course we tell him, okay, we put 200 live snakes in that room. My guy did, and we told him, dude, here's how we get through this. When you go into the room, do not step. Slide your feet through them. Makes sense. Don't hurt the snake. He won't hurt you. Right, right. What did Warrior do? Mm. Plotted right in there. They're striking his boots one after another, man. And the funny thing about that day was they put 200 snakes in, but only got 168 out. What happened to those other 32? Right. What happened to them was some of them ate each other. Uh-huh. And some of them got loose. Not air, my house. The air ducts or whatever, right? Oh, everywhere, man. Yeah. You know, I would. I had some really funny stuff happen with that snake. And in, in Australia, um, Thunder Juice and Tiger Liger was there. Yeah. He's terrified of snakes. He wouldn't even dress in the same locker room. So they gave him a locker room across from the other locker room, like the old arenas. And I go to get the snake for my match, and there's no snake in the bathroom. He's not in the shower. Where did he go? I don't know. <laughs> so I have no snake. I go do my match. I come back. Liger's on last. He's in his own locker room. He goes and showers. When he come out of the shower, as he's walking by the toilet, the snake comes out of the toilet no. with his head and looks right at him. <laughs> he f- streaked the arena. Naked. <laughs> Left all this shit there. Uh-huh. He was crying. He was shaking like a leaf. Right. He came in. They put him in a car. He went straight to the airport and went home. End of tour. <laughs> so it got into the shower drain, which connected it, to the toilet yeah, or something? Absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. He got into the toilet system and just took off. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I seen Liger later in Japan, and he just looked at him. No! <laughs> Damn, dude, lighten up, man. <laughs> So you do the, the vignettes with, with, with yeah, the warrior with and the snakes? We do the thing with, uh, we go to the cemetery, we do some stuff there. Are you like aligned with the Undertaker sort of thing? Like you're yeah. Undertaker's partner or whatever? Yeah, I'm, under, yeah, I'm with Undertaker and stuff. And um, I, we bury him and all this crazy shit we do. And um, we go to SummerSlam. And um, now shit's on. Jake versus the warrior after SummerSlam. SummerSlam, Warrior demands a million dollars from Vince before he'll go to the ring. Mm. He's the main event. Wow. In Madison Square Garden. So he, he's, he's basically blackmailing Vince. Give me a million dollars. He's not... holding him up. Wow. He might as well have a gun in his hand. Right. You know? Well, Vince is in the position of, I can't, I don't have a choice here. 
He goes and gets the money. Armed guards bring it to the warrior's locker room. Warrior had four armed guards waiting outside. They came in, got him and his wife, and took the money and left. Warrior goes to the ring. Now, I don't know this shit. I see these weird people walking around, but I don't know what's going on. There's a buzz, but I don't know what it is. I didn't care. It's not my business. Right. Warrior goes to the ring. I'm standing right there by Vince. He comes out of the ring as he's walking. He gets close. Vince goes, you are fired. Get the out of my building. Wow. He looks at me, he goes, you got the worst goddamn luck, don't you kid? I'm like, <laughs> I just took six weeks off, man. What the f***? So what do they do? They give me Sid. That's unbelievable just to think about that for a second. So first of all, just the fact that Vince can get a million dollars cash well, in like two hours or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. then Warrior takes the money, leaves, he goes, comes back, fired instantly. That's unbelievable. Like just yeah. the whole concept of that. Of course, I, then you get left holding yeah, the bag. Yeah, I get left. I'm screwed. I couldn't do that because, number one, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Number two, now I see Warrior do the same thing in Austria. Mm-hmm. But in Austria, he knew that if he did not go to the ring, that promoter was going to jail. Because they have a law over there. If you don't oh, provide what right. you've advertised, yeah. that's a felony offense. Mm-hmm. They brought him his money over there, too. Wasn't, wasn't a million dollars. Same, right. Like hundred grand or something, you know. Do you think that like um because you're talking about you talk about the legends that were never world champions and obviously you're at the top of the list. Was that because you could never be a bigger babyface than Hogan? You could be second. That's it. And as a result you couldn't work with Hogan because you were right. almost you're kinda of caught in the middle. Yeah, my job became not a bad job, yeah. but not a great job. Became setting the heel up for Hogan. Mm. He would be in L.A. I would be wherever, Atlanta, Chicago, Chicago, and I would be getting beat by the guy that's going to wrestle Hogan in Chicago the next time. Mm. So I'd get the guy over, prep him for Hogan. Meantime, I'm not even in Chicago to enjoy that payoff. I'm now in L.A. getting the next guy ready for Hogan. That was my job. And there's nothing that you could do nothing. to heal absolutely to heal Hogan, right? Nope. Because it's interesting because when I when I first came into WWE, I always called myself the George Harrison of the Attitude Era, in that I was a super over babyface, but I was in the company with Rock and Austin. Yeah. I'd always be what number three. Do? So what I obviously turned heel, heel, and then I worked with both of them, yeah. which was fine. Yeah. But you couldn't turn heel because they would start cheering you yeah. over Hogan. They they believed in the DDT, yeah, and they loved yeah. the snake. Yeah. I remember that, just how cool the concept of DDT was. It's oh, yeah. the first wrestling move I can ever oh, remember yeah. chanting, oh, DDT, or every kid wants to give each other the DDT, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, back when I first got that whole going, I'm not going to say the guy's names. I'll just say this. There were two brothers that were a big part of this business, and I was about to go to Atlanta to become the booker, and they were get, helping get me there. And they told me, says, Jake, if you want to be the biggest thing ever, go on WTBS and DDT somebody on the concrete. I said, but kill them. Make it somebody you don't like. <laughs> but you will be, you'll never yeah. lack mm. of a place to work. You'll be filthy rich. Yeah, but I'll know that I killed somebody. Mm-hmm. Jake, it's accidents happen. 
Jeez, and, man. At first, I, I'm like trying to make this work in my head, but afterwards, I, I literally got sick because I respected those two guys. One of them was a world champion, you know, and I was crushed by that somebody would even come up with that. I mean, I might have said it in a joke or something. But, you know, even when I dropped Steamboat, I told him, this cannot be done on concrete. I'll f kill him. Mm -hmm. And uh, George... Um, Scott. George Scott, who had given Steamboat a break, was up there, and he was needing some money to make money real quick because he was on his last legs. And he talked to Steamboat, and Steamboat comes to me and says, Jake, I'll be okay on the concrete. I said, no, you won't, man. It's going to screw you up if I don't kill you. He goes, no, no, I can protect myself. I said, I'm not doing it, man. And he he pleaded and pleaded and pleaded. And finally, I, okay, it. I'll do it. Whatever. And I tried to protect him. And it damn near killed him. Mm. You know, his head swelled out four inches mm -hmm. from here to here. Because you did it with such, such speed. Yeah. yeah. It was just, oh, yeah. Well, the whole secret behind the DDT is not hopping like people do today, but it's taking the left leg and swing it through. You step back with the left leg, and then you kick as hard as you can, and that gives you your speed, your pop. But there's some things you just can't play with, man. You know, uh, I, I've never wanted, well, I take that back. I only hurt one person in this business, and it was on purpose. But he had it coming because uh, I'd had neck surgery. And he's clotheslining the hell out of us. Dude, you got to lighten up. I'll take a great bump if you don't kill me. You know, don't tear my head off. Let me do my thing. And he told me that uh, maybe I should get out of the business because I was getting old. And then the next time we wrestled, he, he had a bicep injury when he clotheslined me. Accidents do happen. That was psycho sit. Last few things. Did you invent the DDT or did you see yeah. it somewhere? Yeah. It was a, a, an accident. It was an absolute. I was wrestling Lynn Denton, who at the time was called the Grappler. Lynn Denton, Portland. Yeah, man, he's a, he's a, one of the greatest hands ever. You know, and never got a big break. Perfect example of a great hand regional. Right. right? Absolutely. There's, there's always a few in every territory. Yeah, he worked his ass off. He got me over. He taught me how to work, basically. You know, but we used to do a thing because at the time I was using a knee lift for a finish, which had been given to me by wrestling too which was probably one of the nicest things ever done for me in this business because he had that knee left over, brother, in Louisiana or anywhere he went. But um, I used the knee lift, so we used to work a spot where I would front face lock in and work the whole work the whole back in the day, 20, 25, 30 minutes. And he'd fight his way to his feet and try to get out, try to get out, try to get out. No, no, no. Then finally he would cram me into the corner. And that would shake me up a little bit, but I'd twist it and fight him back out to the middle of the ring, and we'd go down. Then he'd come back up and cram me in there again. Well, the third time, finally, I let go. But as I let go, he backs up. He's bent over. I catch him with a knee left, a short one. He takes a bump, one, two, puts it near the ropes, on the rope. What a great spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, boom, right back to the front face lock. Uh -huh. That's the way to work. Mm -hmm. You know, take people for the ride, man. And... One night, we were in New Orleans, he went to push me into the corner, and he stepped on my foot, and we fell back. And the people went, oh, and I, I sprayed in my feet being a baby face, and I didn't fall down, I didn't yeah, fall down, I'm embarrassed, you know, yeah, yeah. oh, God, no, I'm cool, you know, and getting down. And I look, 
And I hear him say, cover me, cover me. I covered him, one, two, three. Hmm. That was it. The rest was it, man. So he claims he invented it. I claimed that I'd. <laughs> you, um, like I said, just as we, as we start to wind down, we started talking about Mexico. Yeah. And when you had this run in 93, 94, mm. it kind of really did almost revitalize your career because you were, oh, yeah. once again, the hottest heel in the yeah. business working these shows that weren't even on TV. No. no. You know? I was very fortunate to get the push, what push I got in, in, in TV from Vince. And then when I hit the independent scene, it was always sell out, sell out, sell out. And uh, they called me from Mexico. I didn't call them, you know. And uh, again, I, I'm very fortunate to have the snake thing. It's a one of a kind, one of a kind thing. And uh, the DDT was a one of a kind thing back then. And uh, people always ask me, does it bother you today that it's used for a high spot? I said, no, it just tells the people that goddamn that Jake must be a tough son of a bitch because when he does it, you don't get up. That's right. Yours is better. Yeah. yeah Do you uh, think that your success in Mexico led you getting back to, to, to Vincent in 96? Probably. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah, he was watching. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. if he could have blocked me, he would have done it. Yeah. <laughs> if he could have took my name, he would have, but I own that bitch. <laughs> uh, last question for yeah. today. Um it might be hard to say because you've had so many. Is there a match that you think of as like, okay, this was my favorite match out of all the ones I had? Too many. Yeah. Too many. And, and for too many different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, one would be a steamboat. Mm. Um, definitely one would be any match that I was in the ring with Andre. Mm. For me to even be in the ring with Andre to me was just, are you serious? Mm -hmm. And for him to sell for me, that, friend did a compliment beyond because he was such a huge huge thing in this business and he was a monster and for him to pass out for the snake and he did such a great job of doing it uh, something funny that night was whenever uh, Bobby Heenan is over and trying to revive him and he's hitting his chest you know <laughs> I get close I go give him mouth to mouth man that'll bring him back and he looks at the you! <laughs> I put my mouth on Andre's mouth. <laughs> That's so nasty. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then, then I think back to some of my Garvin matches. I, you know, mm. Garvin match might just, might be at the top because... Really? Is that from NWA time? Yeah, or? Okay. yeah. We did a match at the Omni where, you know, he was doing that knockout punch mm -hmm. thing. Well, I started blocking, 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 and I'd laugh at him, block, block, which pissed the people off to know what mm -hmm. you know. And such easy spots, I'd block, 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 and I'd laugh and turn to the people and laugh, and when I turn back around, I get one, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so fing easy. But I um, did a thing where I just kept blocking. Well, then he started working my ribs. Mm -hmm. Well, I come to the Omni for the big match, and I'm hurt. Everybody knows I've got a cracked rib, you know, and, uh, we taped it all up. Mm. And those assholes in the back did such a job taping it. And Ronnie grabbed the end of that tape, and instead of breaking and tearing, he just started unraveling and spinning me and shit, man. <laughs> and working with Ronnie was such a pleasure. It was like driving a, a Mercedes mm. after you've driven a Volkswagen. Right, right, right. You know, such a smooth ride. His shit was always solid. I've always believed in solid. Mm. You know, not hurting anybody, but you know it's there. Right. And uh, I sell to the same stuff. But, you know, th this isn't dancing. Mm. But. That's right. Well, dude, it's, it's 
a blast talking to you, and I already have three or four more ideas oh, for, yeah. for future things we can do. I love doing this because I, I love giving the fans what they want. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you're doing a phenomenal job with your show. Thank you. Doing that, or I wouldn't be in here, man. Thank you. We'll, we'll do more. We'll I do love more. you, bro. Thank you, bro. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, Jake.